0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, July 18th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Timonini. And, and I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, it's uh, we're starting to get a little bit of news. Like yesterday felt like a normal day that we're used to when we have more than one droplet of information coming out. <laughs> sure. And uh just goes to show you maybe
1: uh, Broadway is a 24-7, 365 business and none of this... Uh,
0: taken time off you no know, there's a little too much taken time off for my liking i want info i'm <laughs> jones and for it i need a intravenous uh, drip of casting news stat are you hungry like the wolf <laughs> Just back to the dad jokes i uh I missed those we haven't had them as much lately
1: <laughs> all right the wolves to play lincoln center this fall
0: yeah, James, uh, playwright Sarah DeLap's play about girls' indoor soccer was one of the surprise hits off-Broadway last year, having two different runs. The show will now have a, another life off-Broadway at the Mitzi Newhouse Theater downstairs at Lincoln Center. The show's third off-Broadway run will begin previews on November 1st with an official opening night on November 20th. The show has previously had affiliations with Clubbed Thumb, Playwrights Horizon, Playwrights Realm, and our new favorite theater in the world, Vassar Pow- Powerhouse Theatrical Season. It was an official finalist for the Pulitzer Prize this year, and the production won Obie and Drama Desk Awards for Best Ensemble, in addition to a number of other prestigious nominations. Director Lila Nugebauer, who, as we've been talking about, is one of the hottest directors out there, was also nominated for a number of awards from the Off-Broadway Productions. The show's press materials describe the show thusly, quote, from the safety of their suburban stretch circle, the team navigated Navigates big questions and wages tiny battles with all the vim and vigor of a pack of adolescent warriors. The Wolves is a portrait of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. For nine American girls who just want to score some goals. James, I I don't think that you or Peter or Michael saw this show off Broadway. If you did, I couldn't find it in the show notes um, of this week on Broadway. But I know you guys did talk with one of the show's stars, Tedra Milan, after she had gone from that show to being in present laughter on Broadway this past season, but between her Playwright Sarah DeLapp, director Lydon Bauer, and a number of other cast members. This show seems to have been a career accelerator for many of them. And now with a a run at Lincoln Center, one of the biggest off-Broadway houses in terms of prestige, I think it could do even more for a lot of these people as their careers move forward after this.
1: Uh, So I did not see it, but I think Michael and Peter did see it. Uh, because we talked about it with Teddy, uh, okay. and, but I, maybe we didn't review it. There's a lot of things that we see that we do not end up reviewing just because of the sheer volume of, right. of shows needed to be covered. And we try to get this week on Broadway done, uh, an under 10 hours a, a week. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but this is exciting, uh, because, uh, People who I much admire, like Adam Feldman uh, and Carrie Purcell, uh, have raved about this show, and I'm excited that I'm, I'm going to get a chance to see it as I have missed it before. Absolutely. All right. First first, ca- first
0: casting announcer, NBC's A Few Good Men Live. Yeah, James, I wasn't sure that this day would ever actually come, but yesterday NBC announced that A Few Good Men Live was in was still, in fact, in development and that two-time Emmy winner and Tony and Oscar nominee Alec Baldwin would be playing the role of Colonel Nathan Jessup when the production is finally broadcast mid-2018. Oscar and Emmy winner Aaron Sorkin will executive produce and adapt his original play and subsequent movie for the telecast. NBC's normal live theatrical producers Craig Zidane and Neil Marin, will executive produce as well, along with Sorkin. James, as I am sure you know, Colonel Nathan Jessup was originally played by? Uh,
1: Nathan Jessup was uh, – you can't handle the truth. Uh, uh, That's
0: that's the character, yes. uh,
1: He was –
0: He was played by Stephen Lang, of course, in the original Broadway production.
1: (laughs) Well, let me jump in there right now and say I would have never gotten that.
0: (laughs) No, I was hoping you'd say Jack Nicholson, who played him in the movie. I was trying to. (laughs) I
1: I couldn't remember Jack's name.
0: Yeah, of course. Who's he? Um, Stephen Lang played him on Broadway. Jack Nicholson played the role in the film. And of course, the famous you You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You can't handle the truth uh, speeches on the witness stand. The rumors about why this broadcast, which was originally announced in March of 2016, uh, about why it's been delayed so long is that the producers apparently have a very specific star in mind for the role of Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, which was originally played, of course, by Tom Hulse on Broadway and Tom Cruise on film. And then that they were waiting for that actor's availability to loosen up to where they could fit the rehearsals and the production. So I'm hoping that even though we don't know who that person is, I'm assuming that that's the next bit of casting information that we will get before anything else. Alec Baldwin has worked with Aaron Sorkin before he starred in Sorkin's 1993 film Malice about an egotistical doctor and some crazy messed up sexual stuff. It was weird. It co-starred Nicole Kidman, Bill Pullman, B.B. Newworth and Bancroft, Peter Gallagher, George C. Scott. Gwyneth Paltrow, Brenda Strong and more Uh, James, I remember seeing this movie around the time when it came out and I was way too young to see it and I don't think my parents would have been happy about it Um, I don't remember a ton about the plot but all I remember is Alec Baldwin in some sort of review board deposition said you ask me if I have a God complex let me tell you something, I am God so I think that pretty much prepares him to do the uh, Nathan Jessup speeches, Um, so after that tangent, I I think it's pretty good casting, especially considering Baldwin's long history with NBC between 30 Rock and Saturday Night Live. And obviously he's now an Emmy nominee again for playing Donald Trump on SNL.
1: (laughs) Uh, I didn't know Malice was Aaron Sorkin. It was. Um, And I remember that movie and I remember that scene and things like that. And that was heavy on the trailer, the the God (laughs) complex thing. And interesting enough, when you see it in the movie – There's a whole plot twist around what he's saying there because he's playing up that role as an egotistical Mm -hmm. person to get a point across, but he's not actually like that.
0: James, Uh, James, uh, spoiler alert, the movie's only been out for 24 years. Let's try not to ruin anything for people who want to check it out.
1: Oh, we better go on to last
0: week's (laughs) grosses then.
1: (laughs) What happened in The Money?
0: All right, well, as we anticipated, the Broadway grosses did pick back up following the two-week straddle of the 4th of July weekend. Total receipts were back up to $31,921,295, a 9.76% increase from the previous seven days. 23 of Broadway's 30 shows saw week-to-week increases. Unsurprisingly, the show with the biggest bump was Hello, Dolly!, which welcomed back to star Bette Midler following her two-week vacation while grosses plummeted with two-time Tony winner Donna Murphy in Midler, Midler's stead with the divine one back on stage the box office picked up more than 1.5 million dollars that increase put the show in third place for the week behind Hamilton which is still maintaining a 3 million dollar weekly haul then in second was The Lion King at 2.5 million Hello Dolly at 2.2 million, Wicked in fourth place at 1.9 million, and Dear Evan Hansen despite star Ben Platt being out on vacation was fifth with million. $4,265. We also learned yesterday that in just eight and a half months, Durevan Hansen recouped its initial $9.5 million investment, so congratulations to everyone over at the Music Box. Continuing with the seven-figure club was Aladdin, Kinky Boots, The Book of Mormon, Come From Away, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Anastasia, The Phantom of the Opera, and School of Rock. However, James, it's not in... The million-dollar club, but the number that was most interesting to me this week was that next on the list was Natasha Pierre in the Great Common of 1812, which rebound, rebounded from the first um, week post-Josh Groban and picked up $49,000 in Okarite and Natawan's first week as Pierre to gross $939,748. While those numbers aren't as high as they were in the final weeks of Josh Groban's tenure as Pierre... They aren't that far off from where the show had kind of plateaued before Groban's farewell tour. So either that's a a nice surge of Hamilton fans coming to see Oak in his first week or the buzz for this show has kind of made it a hit despite who the stars are. And if they can get some moderate names in there, maybe this one will have a pretty long life with or without Josh Groban. So I'm excited about that. Oslo closed its Broadway run up $229,000 to finish the week with 898,524. Unfortunately, every single other play on Broadway. Made up the bottom five in last week's grosses list. Moving from the bottom of the ladder up were Marvin's Room at 227K, The Play That Goes Wrong at 381K, 1984 at nearly 383K, Indecent, which is still not having the bump that producers would have liked at 390,000, and then A Doll's House Part 2 up significantly higher, but still not super high on the list at 558,000. Almost all of the musicals on our bubble watch list did a little better, with Bandstand, Warpaint, Beautiful, and A Bronx Tale all making modest gains. But *A Groundhog Day saw a $97,000 drop to bring its grosses to just $660,000, its lowest since the third week of April. James, I think the writing is on the wall for... Probably a lot of those shows, but especially Groundhog's Day, uh, Bandstand, and War Paint. Uh, a Bronx Tale seems to be fairly safe in the seventy thousand dollar range, but I'd be shocked. Oh yeah, in the seven hundred thousand dollar range, but but I'd kind of be shocked if those other three new shows from this past season made it past Labor Day.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's the, just the numbers don't work the way that they are panning out right now. Uh, Yeah, a quick question about Hello Dolly, you said it's at 1.5 million, but they went to an eight show week now, didn't they?
0: Um, they did. I don't know if they were doing a, um,
1: they were doing seven with, with bet or, and I think now with Donna Murphy in, in the eighth show.
0: Well, they've been doing they've been doing shows uh, or they've been doing weeks with Donna and Bet um, ever since, oh, since the uh, June eighteenth. Okay. Yeah, so the the weeks that Bet was on vacation, they did have a full eight show week with Donna Murphy. So they've been doing this is the looks like the sixth week of eight shows. So the bump did just kind of come from Bet being back in the role.
1: Did you hear? There's going to be a coffee table book about Bet's vacation.
0: I'm not biting on this one. I'm not. I'm not Not, doing it. Not doing it? Okay. I'm not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's up in the show and casting news?
0: Well, yesterday we learned that the original New York cast of the musical Cagney will open the West Coast premiere of the show this October. The musical will play October 5th through the 29th at the El Portal Theater on the Debbie Reynolds main stage in Los Angeles. James, what's interesting about this is that the show's original star and co-lyricist Robert Creighton will be playing the role of the Duke of Wesselton in Frozen at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts Starting in August through October 1st, then he's hopping on a plane heading straight out to L.A. to play the title role in Cagney. I know this is a passion project of his, so I'm very excited for him. He said in the press release announcing this that there were two places he wanted this show to play. New York, where James Cagney kind of made his name, and then Hollywood, where he became a star. So congratulations to that whole cast and company. (sighs) All right, James, I'm going to talk about this. I don't like it. I'm hesitant to discuss this because I know that it is a little more than a thinly veiled publicity stunt. But yesterday, the production team behind the upcoming Broadway revival of the wonderful Aaron's and Flaherty musical Once on This Island announced that, like they did for the character's adult version, they would be holding an open casting call for the role of Little T-Moon. The open call will be held at the Telsian Company offices this Saturday, July 22nd. The audition notice does specifically state that the – Open call is for both the August and September developmental lab and the following Broadway production. So I think if we finally see who's going to be in this uh, this lab late at the end of next month, maybe we'll finally know who's going to be in the show on Broadway. And then finally, James, yesterday – on yesterday's show, we talked about some of the news that came out of the big D23 convention over the weekend. And yesterday, we found out a little bit more info as video surfaced of Alan Menken first confirming what had long been reported that Lin-Manuel Miranda will be working on new songs with Menken for the live-action Little Mermaid adaptation. But then Menken reported that for the live-action Aladdin movie, his lyricist for any new material – would be Benj Pasek and Justin Paul. James, it's nice for someone with the, you know, incredible career of Alan Mankin to take a couple of unknown up-and-coming writers under his wing and give them their first big break in show business. It's it's nice to see him doing that um, on both The Little Mermaid and Aladdin. I'm I'm proud of him for doing that.
1: Magnanimous, the musical. <laughs>
0: Uh, no, but this is cool. I mean, you know, uh, both of these musicals were originally written with his um, with his co-writer, Howard Ashman, who um, passed away. This is something that he's done with other things. When Aladdin came uh, to Broadway, I believe it was um, Chad Bagellan who wrote new lyrics for him. And uh, so obviously when this going to the big screen, you want the hottest writers in musical theater. So you get Lin-Manuel Miranda for one of them and Pasek and Paul for the other one. I don't know that you could probably go wrong with either of those guys. That is true. This uh
1: very exciting. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that these movies come out before my kids are too old to go see them so I don't have to go see them by myself.
0: It, it's going to be it's gonna be a while for both of them. Yeah, I'm afraid so. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Matt and subscribe to Something like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play.
1: And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us, and we'll be back and talk with you tomorrow.